0: according to his promise we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells therefore beloved since you look for these things be diligent to be found by him in peace spotless and blameless and grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ our growth comes through the scriptures join me once again this morning in the book of proverbs and uh, for today we will get our first look at proverbs chapter two proverbs chapter two my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. That's not a complete sentence, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> Startling how many uh, folks read that as if it was a complete sentence. It's actually an if. If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments in you. And that's a great big if. The answer to that if, or the, uh, the, re- the remainder of that sentence comes in the imperatives in verse 2 to make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding you got to do verse 2 or you will never do verse 1 and this is uh what we're going to take a look at here starting today before we begin let's take a moment for silent prayer and ask god the father to bless our time of study ask to set aside distractions and to humble us under the authority of his word shall we pray Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the truth of your word and the blessing we have on this day. Father, thank you for the rain outside and the the reminders, Father, of your faithfulness. As Scripture says, you send forth the rain to water the earth, to replenish it. And Father, in like manner, you send forth your word, and your word will not return void. That includes on this day, you are sending your word on this day to these people and i thank you for these brothers and sisters that have assembled together we ask for your faithfulness to shine forth and father uh, produce fruit within each one of us father 30fold 60fold 100fold all that you desire we thank you father in jesus christ's name amen all right proverbs chapter 2 again the if statement from verse 1 and uh, i think did we talk yeah we did we we wrapped up everything we were looking at last week at the end of chapter 1 and uh, the security that we have. He who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. All right, which gets us now ready for chapter 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, then if you want to do that, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and you will discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then, all right, Um, I'm stressing a lot of these expressions because this is the nature of the passage. This is the nature of um, how we build upon what God does with us with the word of God. But it starts with our humility. It starts with our attitude to receive the word implanted. Then, 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 then. All these consequences will start to line up. All these consequences will start to be provided for. Um, We've got to keep first things first and then let God handle the things that follow. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. And if we, we cannot confuse the priority as God has laid it out. If we try to take shortcuts, if we try to circumvent the process, we will never reach the outcome that uh, God has designed here in his word. Alright, well that's about enough I think on that. We're going to take uh, down through really the first nine verses I think as a unit and then uh, we'll proceed from there uh, verses 12 and following to see who we get delivered from. We get delivered from evil men in verses 12 and following. You'll notice to deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. Um, and once we pick on the men long enough, I think, then we get to the strange women in uh, verse 16, all right? And there again is another purpose clause, to deliver you from the strange woman. So we have to deliver you in verse 12 and to deliver you in verse 16, and uh, we're equal opportunity deliverers on this in terms of the, uh, the evil man and the strange woman. And we get down through the end of that in verse uh, 20, and then the chapter ties together very nicely in verses 21 and 22, the same way chapter 1 ended, the same way so many of these proverbs end, with the recognition that there's a contrast. There's the way of righteousness and there's there's the way of wickedness. The upright and the blameless in verse 21 compared to or contrasted with the wicked and the treacherous in verse 22. And it lays it right out there and says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Pick the road you're going to take. And uh, obviously... The road we want to take is the road of wisdom. All right, just uh, start off with a fresh outline now and a fresh chapter, point one. Parents can urge and admonish, but children must personally adopt the humble attitude to receive the word implanted. Parents can urge and admonish, but they cannot force. (laughs) They cannot force their children to personally adopt the humble attitude to receive the word implanted. Every generation is accountable. Every generation is accountable. And you may start with all the greatest advantages on earth, with believing parents, believing grandparents, uh, family customs and practices and traditions that put you under uh, teaching and in church and all the rest. Nevertheless, even with every earthly advantage possible, each each generation must make the choice to humble themselves under the word of god or not humble themselves under the word of god every generation is accountable and we see the uh, pleading we see the parents uh, even back in chapter one you might remember verse one hear my son your father's instruction do not forsake your mother's teaching and uh, parents can urge parents can admonish parents can command parents can set the example but at the end of the day The children still have to either respond or not respond. And ultimately they're responding to the Lord. They're responding to the Holy Spirit. They're not responding to the parents. Parents are the tools. Parents are the instruments. But ultimately what what were we dealing with in the last couple of weeks? We were dealing with the the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was resisted. How the Holy Spirit was uh, ignored. How the Holy Spirit was grieved, quenched, and resisted. In uh, the final uh, paragraph here of Proverbs chapter 1. And so that's what it comes down to here. My son if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. But if you're going to, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take the attitude of humility. It's going to take the eagerness, the attentiveness, the uh, sit on the edge of your seat and can't wait for the next Bible class kind of excitement related to uh, making your ear attentive to wisdom or inclining your heart to understanding. So we'll talk about that as well. I think there's a good corollary uh, passage here in Ezekiel chapter 20. So let's uh, flip over to that and take a look. Every generation is accountable. Ezekiel 18 and verse 20. Chapter 18. In case I misspoke a little bit ago. Ezekiel 18 and verse 20. And it's kind of a key verse that sits in the midst of a much larger context. But I think without teaching the, the whole chapter here um maybe you had a a wicked father maybe you had a wicked grandfather or maybe you had a godly father maybe you had a great example in front of you um the point is god deals with each generation in turn and uh, as it says in verse 20 the person who sins will die the consequences operational death related to your carnality the son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. And this is a key verse that sits in the midst of a much larger development here, but you're going to notice in the process of this that there are, um, well, okay, maybe I need to pick up at least a little bit, um, he's responding to to a common proverb of that time as the chapter begins the word of the lord came to me saying what do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of israel D- the jewish people had developed a proverb they developed a saying and god didn't like it it wasn't true It wasn't accurate but here was their proverb the fathers eat the sour grapes but the children's teeth are set on edge all right in other words yeah our nation's coming under judgment we're we're getting a kind of a short end of the stick here but it's not our fault it was our parents they're the ones that ate the sour grapes and and we have to face the consequences as I live declares the Lord God you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore he's going to put an end to it he says I don't like it it's not biblical it's wrong behold all souls are mine the soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine the soul who sins will die And just as he deals with the Exodus generation followed by the wilderness generation followed by the conquest generation generation to generation to generation God is faithful and he deals with each generation in turn. So he's going to illustrate this in a couple of different ways. He goes back and forth. Notice in verse 5 there's a man who's righteous. He practices justice. He practices righteousness. He doesn't do these these horrible things and he does... uh, there's, there's things he's not doing in verses 7, 8, and 6, 7, and 8. okay, And he's doing great. But then in verse 10, he may have a violent son who sheds blood and who does any of these things to a brother. All that list of stuff the dad wasn't doing, the son's doing all of them. <laughs> okay? Well, now whose fault is that? Why didn't he raise a better son? Okay. All right. And uh, all the things that he's doing. But then down through verse 13 there's all the wicked things he's doing his blood will be on his own head the father's not accountable the father's not at fault for the choices the son is making but then verse 14 behold he has a son and he observed all of his father's sins which he committed and watching what happens there he says i don't want any part of that all right so now the grandson kind of follows after the example of the grandfather and and you see how this is working. We've got a, a good generation, a wicked generation, and a good generation. So, verse 19, yet you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity? When the son has practiced justice and righteousness and has observed all my statutes and done them, he shall surely live. And some of it probably comes about, or possibly, I think, comes about as a, a misreading of Exodus 20, a misreading of the law where God does, in fact, pour forth his wrath, the, sin, the iniquity of the Father upon the third and the fourth generation. Yes, that is valid. But understood in that passage is the fact that the first, second, third, and fourth generation are all being wicked. All right, And that's the, that's the limit of what he tolerates in the wickedness. But if generation two is, is not wicked... Don't think that that curse continues through the second and third and fourth generation simply because of Exodus chapter 20. No, put these things together. Any generation can turn it around. Any generation can cut that off and say no. We don't want any part of that. So, every generation is accountable. And what it comes down to is training up our children to make the word of God a priority. Training up our children to make the word of God a priority. A priority. So subpoint A, the Christian way of life must incorporate receiving and treasuring Bible doctrine. The Christian way of life must incorporate receiving and treasuring Bible doctrine. And we're going to show you what treasuring is all about. That word I have treasured in my heart. That word I have hid in my heart got a little bit of a peek at it in Proverbs chapter 1. We'll take a deeper look at it here in Proverbs chapter 2. The Christian way of life must incorporate receiving and treasuring Bible doctrines. Not enough to just simply hear it. If you're a hearer and not a doer only, you're self-delusional. Alright? If you're hearing and not valuing, I think some folks listen but they don't treasure. And they're not eager to listen. And there's a difference there. Notice, again, the, the pairing of it is in verse 1. If you will receive and treasure. That means that you have a uh, a uh, particular location, uh, a, a place of storage, a place of value, a place of, of esteem. We're going to talk about this. What does it mean to treasure something? Is it something that you keep well guarded? Something that you keep well maintained, well taken care of? Or is it just something that, yeah... You chuck it in a drawer and you forget where you put it. All <laughs> right? You, okay, I got it somewhere. I just don't pay much attention to it. It's it's around here somewhere. Okay. I'll hunt it down and find it twenty years from now or whenever I think I might need it again. All right. That's not treasuring the word of God in your heart. <laughs> okay? Because it's something you need today, tomorrow, the next day, all day, every day. All right. Now Let's not confuse this. If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. This is not the goal. This is not the end. But it is the means to the end. I think a fatal flaw of of, uh, doctrinal believers is they think that the will of God is to study the Word of God. The Word of God is to be in Bible class. The Word of God is to receive and treasure. No. That's what equips you to do the will of god all right the renewing of your mind is so that you may demonstrate the will of god that which is good and acceptable and perfect but simply the process of receiving instruction even if you receive it even if you treasure it even if you have the utmost respect for the word of god and every attitude is right and you're learning and you're growing the point is not simply just to grow the point is not simply just to learn we must live what we learn. We must manifest the will of God. So this is not the end, but it is the means to the end. And this passage I think makes it very clear that uh, this is the if statement that's followed by a whole bunch of then statements, right? And even the uh, the make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding that is not even a. Those aren't technically aren't even the then statements. They're simply the imperatives to tell you how to accomplish the ifs. The ifs have then statements, and then statements come in verse 5. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. Then uh, discretion will guard you. Then you will discern righteousness and justice. Then dis, uh, they will deliver you from the way of evil, from the evil man. Then. Uh, they will deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words. Then you will walk in the way of good men. All right, There's a whole lot of thens in this chapter. None of them are possible if you're not under teaching, if you're not under the authority of the Word of God. What I'm saying is Bible class isn't the end of the story. It equips you to go forth and bear that fruit. It equips you to go forth and, and uh, achieve every then that this passage talks about the fruit that we bear, the results that are achieved. This is not the end, but the means to the end, according to this passage. And I tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a flaw, it's a, it's a struggle, and a lot of doctrinal believers fall short in this regard. They think it's all about, what do I learn, what do I learn, what do I learn, what do I learn, and I'm filling my notebooks, I know this, I know this, I know this. And they get to the judgment seat of Christ, and they're not asked one thing about what they know. <laughs> they, they're shocked at the judgment seat of Christ, that it's not a Bible quiz, That the fire is going to evaluate what they've done. The the fire will evaluate the fruit that they've borne. The fire will evaluate the quality of the work of what they've achieved. So it is not an end, but it is the means to the end. The end, as it's described in verses 6 through 11, the end is an intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. The end is an intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to detail that out in main point two of the outline actually we're going to detail that out in verses six through eleven how the lord actively works in and through his word in the believer's life where we have such an intimacy with jesus christ that his word speaks to us daily we speak to him daily in our prayers and the back and forth dialogue between the lord and us happens in our prayer life and in our study The end is an intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, verses 6 through 11. And I like the uh, the four that begins that. Four, by way of explanation. The Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. This is, this is the intimate walk that we have with Jesus Christ. And we're very well protected. We're very well led. We're very well guided. He guards the paths of justice. Don't we want him doing that as we're walking through the, the conflict? He preserves the way of his godly ones. This is what we want. This is our intimate walk with Jesus Christ. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. We are so intimate with Jesus Christ. We're like-minded with Him. We have His perspective on things that we look at. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Look what the Word of God does to you, in you, for you. The benefit of what happens here. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. This is the value of, of walking with the Lord day by day. This is the value of letting the wisdom from Proverbs and from the whole counsel of God's word saturate your thinking to where you are now daily occupied with Jesus Christ, fellowshipping with the Father and the Son. So, we will detail that under main point two as the Lord actively works in and through his word in, uh, in believers. We're still uh, introducing the chapter here in these first couple of verses so don't confuse the um the 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 means to the end all right and if you try to get to that end without the means you're not going to get there in all the different approaches that that minimize doctrine i've had people tell me they look me right in the eye and say i don't really go for doctrine you, you put so much emphasis on doctrine i think jesus is all about love i said i agree jesus is all about love but the doctrine of love is what teaches me that. <laughs> All right? The doctrine of love is what transforms me so that I have like-mindedness with him in that love. The only way to obtain that love and to understand it and to express it and to walk in it is to do so in conformity with the doctrine of that love. That's what's going to transform me. If I'm just going to go with a light and fluffy approach and try to be lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey is not the uh, translation of agape. <laughs> All right? And That's the thing. Okay, and it's just groundless. It's groundless, it's 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 unanchored, it's not stable. Fundamentally, it comes down to cosmos philosophies, comes down to the wisdom of this age. And 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 the 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 lovey dovey, can't we all just get along? We'll never condemn sin, we'll never stand for righteousness, we'll never rebuke. Love rebukes. We speak the truth in love. And what they're talking about in their their tolerance and all that that's not love. To watch somebody in a, on a self-destructive path, continue on that self-destructive path. are you kidding me? That's not love. So don't confuse the means with the end. And I think uh, uh, there's many different snares that, that fall into this. All right. Now, even the means has a means. Even the means has a means. Because receiving and treasuring Bible doctrine will not take place without an attentive ear and an inclined heart. These imperatives that we have in verse 2, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. These are the means to the means. These These are the imperatives that will allow you to receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Even the means has a means. Receiving and treasuring Bible doctrine will not take place without an attentive ear and an inclined heart. These are volitional choices that we make. These are attitudinal adjustments that we must volitionally, consciously, humbly orient ourselves to before every Bible class. This, this ought to be part of our silent prayer as we get started. Father, I want to have an attentive ear. I want to be eager to hear. I want you, uh, I'm not just going to assume that because I'm physically in the room, that somehow by osmosis doctrine is going to saturate my soul. While I'm sitting here in class daydreaming about uh, the, the rain, and when's the rain going to let up. Because, uh, you know, I'm distracted and I'm concerned. Um, I've got a cloth top that's 14 years old sitting out there, and it's, it doesn't do well in the rain, all right? So, well, wait a minute. Am I or am I not on holy ground? Am I or am I not in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Might I not, you know, should I not be more attentive (laughs) to what the creator God of the universe is saying and to the point where I'm going to flood everything else out of my mind? I don't want to think about my leaky convertible. I don't want to think about other things, my bills, uh, details of life, all that. Put all that aside. All right? For this hour, on this day, at this time, you know, think about the Lord rebuking Moses. You're on holy ground. Take your shoes off. This burning bush, do I have your attention yet, Moses? All right. This is this is special. The creator God of the universe is taking the time to communicate to me. Why should I why should he take the time to do that? <laughs> All right. So make your ear attentive to wisdom, cause yourself to, to have that attitude of, of, uh, of eagerness. We discussed this in the Second Corinthians series. We want to have eagerness. Uh, our our uh, giving ought to be with, with eagerness. God loves the cheerful giver. You know, it's not grudgingly or under compulsion. We're not sitting here because oh, we have to be here again. We want to be here. In fact, we're disappointed we didn't have a, a, a Wednesday class on Tuesday and a Wednesday class on Monday, all right? We just have the, the Wednesday class on Wednesday in, in, in Proverbs. And we have that eagerness to wait for the next one, wait for the next one. And then incline your heart to understanding. We'll discuss these here in next point. Subpoint B now. So all of this is under subpoint A. The Christian way of life must incorporate receiving and treasuring Bible doctrine. This is fundamentally what it's about. Fundamentally what it's about. When I left home my dad looked me in the eye and he said, son <laughs> everything I did well and everything I did wrong in between your mother and I we raised it best as we could. But one thing you, you cannot deny you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you know where to receive instruction." You know where to receive instruction under the authority of the word of God in the local church. You know that this is what he expects of you. And uh, if, if a young man doesn't know that, he's not ready to leave home. <laughs> okay? He has to know that he's saved and he's going to spend the rest of his life under teaching. He's going to spend the rest of his life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. All right. Now, this is not the end, but the means to the end. It's an, The end is an intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are not disciples don't have a walk with Christ. And then it uh, comes down to that attitude of eagerness. We must have an attentive ear and an inclined heart. Is your heart ready for, to receive instruction? How hard is your heart? Is it hard or is it soft? Is the ground fertile? You know, I mean, it's, it's all about the preparation of ground. Think about that uh, parable of the sower. You got rocks, you got thorns, what do you got there? What's the condition of your ground? It should be good soil. So that you can receive the word implanted. All right. Point B now. Treasuring the word of God means I place it in a particular location, both guarded and regarded. <laughs> All right. Guarded and regarded. Treasuring the word of God. Is it a place of value? Is it hidden? Is it secure? And then sometimes the, the Hebrew safan sometimes speaks of hiding, but it's not really concealment as much as it is protection. Tsafan, to hide, to treasure, to place it in a, in a guarded place where it's safe, where it's protected, where it's not going to be misplaced, where it's not going to be abused. Treasured because of its value, because of its preciousness. Or, eh, take it or leave it. Cowboys are uh, the early game this week, so I'll skip church. If they're the late game next week, you know it's the difference. Is it a twelve o'clock start time or three o'clock start time? If it's a three o'clock start time, well, I can I can make church. Still get home before the Cowboys. Might even hit a drive through on the way home or grab a bite to eat, and then then I'm I'm home before the football game. But if it's a twelve o'clock start, ah. Well, hmm. why do you think God invented DVRs, right? (laughs) You go to church anyway, and then you watch later. Who cares, right? And then if it's DVR'd, then you can fast forward through the commercials, and you can watch a three-hour game in about an hour and a half. And, um, And if you learn before you start that they got trashed anyway, it was an ugly game, then you just delete it. You don't waste an hour and a half watching the stupid thing. Kind of fun watching the game when you know they win at the end. I watched very few Longhorn games this year. All right. You just find out they lost again, and you don't even bother watching it. But see, here's the thing. Do we treasure it? Do we regard it? Do we view it as valuable? This is Tzaphan. The prophet Zephaniah, by the way, is Tzaphan Yahu, is the Lord treasures, or the Lord is my treasure, different ways you can handle that. But Yahu, the Lord treasures. And this is the verb that's employed when they're uh, hiding Moses in the basket. Exodus chapter 2. They ordered God to massacre the male children. A man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him, she tzafanned him for three months. This is the verb, tzafan, to hide. And beyond just the concealment of it is the treasuring, the protection, the recognition of something special. But when she could safan him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. And then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the banks of the Nile. And so we see the esteem, the value, the identification that this is something special. And I'm going to hide it as long as I can. When I can no longer hide it, hmm. (laughs) what do I do if I can't hide it anymore? So this gives us kind of a flavoring for the Word of God. We're supposed to hide the Word of God in our hearts. Psalm 119 says, Thy word I have hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Right? Psalm 119, 11. The verb is safan. We want to treasure it. We want to protect it. Put it in a place of honor. Joshua 2, 4. Another secular example. Or another... uh, See, in so many cases, it's metaphoric, but here's a here's a literal use. Joshua two four. Where do you hide in a whorehouse? Well, it's on the roof. And uh, here's the two spies. We're going into Jericho, and um, they went. and They came to the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. And the king of Jericho hears about it. And so he sends word to Rahab, bring these men out. And um, the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Safan is the verb. Hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. I didn't know who they were or where they were from. And it came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I don't know where they went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. (laughs) Right? She's telling a bold-faced lie. But she ends up in Hebrews 11 anyway as an application of faith. <laughs> by faith she hid the spies. By faith. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. I believe she hid them in obedience to a prophetic utterance whereby she knew that God had assigned her the role to protect them. She ends up marrying one of them. And uh, they give birth to a little baby Boaz that you know about from the book of Ruth. All right. So, to hide or to treasure. Now those are two earthly uses. When it comes to the word of God, or two uh, literal uses, we have metaphoric uses, obviously, with doctrine. Uh, You can't shove doctrine up on a roof under a whatever. Uh, You you take doctrine and you hide it within your soul. You actually treasure it in a place of value. A particular location, both guarded and regarded, whereby you can... um, Think of it as... uh, Do you have a, a place in your home that you display certain things of value, certain things of significance, all right? If, uh, um, you know, my father-in-law won all kinds of bowling uh, tournaments back in the day, he's got probably 50 uh, trophies and in, in whatever like that, and they're on display. That's what you do with trophies, you put them on display because it represents an achievement, it represents something of value, it represents a, a, a something of celebration, all right? and uh whatever that may be or do you just chuck it in a drawer somewhere and forget about it okay well depending on what you do with it, it says a lot about your esteem your value your uh, perspective on whether it's worthy or not or worthwhile or not okay job 23:12 Job 23.12 You know, point of uh, illustration Um, (laughs) as far as uh, different things go, there is a uh, 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 my ordination certificate is in a frame and it's on the shelf and it's in full view think about it every so often and the signatures that are on there in, in my study, right? But uh, some old army medals and stuff from... They're they're in a box on a shelf upstairs in a closet. Haven't seen them in a long, long, long time. Okay? Who cares when it comes down to that? So there's the illustration. All right. Job 23.12. Part of Job's defense and different aspects of uh, how he has not been in rebellion... All his accusers are sure he's got something hidden away, but no, he's, he's innocent. He's not done this or that or these other things. And um, that he's holding fast to his integrity. Verse 10 of Job 23 he says, He knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God knows the reality. You guys can accuse me all you want, but on judgment day I will come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his path. I have kept his way and not turned aside there's an epitaph, put that on your tombstone. Uh, verse 12, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. There's a set of priorities for you. It is food, is it not? When we take in the word of God and we, t- we take it in, isn't it called eating? And yet what's our priority, earthly food or spiritual food? You know, some people ate earthly food based upon their consumption of spiritual food. They'd be uh, pretty anorexic and dead in pretty short order. Can't li- you Physically, you can't live on one meal a week. I don't think. Maybe somebody can. I don't know. But in what kind of emaciated, thin, rail-thin circumstance can you survive on one meal a week? As Job says here, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than than my necessary food. And how much Bible did Job have? No written canon. No written canon. All right, Psalm 83.3. Here's a fun one. Psalm 83 is a psalm of Asaph. O God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent. And O God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against your people, and they conspire together against your treasured ones. This is Safan. We're commanded to treasure the word of God in our hearts, but the reality is, and that's true, but the reality also is we ourselves are treasures. God treasures us. God, we are treasured ones. We are, Safan, treasured ones. And so stop to consider, what does God do to treasure us? What does God do to protect us, to keep us secure? What does God do as, uh, as He watches over uh, each one of us day by day in this fallen world? We are called His treasured ones. It's used in the poetry of Psalm 83 here. It's in tandem with your people, your treasured ones, right there in Psalm eighty-three, three, and there too, I think, is a, it's a marvelous picture for what our priority should be like for Bible doctrine. If uh, if <laughs> if God treasured us the way most believers treasure doctrine, oh my, <laughs> or don't treasure doctrine, right? Could you imagine if God had the take it or leave it attitude towards His children that? a lot of his children have towards his word how secure would we be in Christ <laughs> you know would we have eternal security in Christ if god's attitude in protecting us was like our attitude in guarding his word treasuring his word anyway I find that interesting of course the psalmist in psalm 119 this young man on i think on the death march to babylon but that's a tradition anyway i can't prove it but day by day, for twenty-two days, he's marching to Babylon, and he's cycling the doctrine in his soul. Good thing it's hidden in his heart, because it's not like uh, he can just sit down and break out his Bible and have uh, you know Bible class or synagogue worship or anything like that. He's he's a slave, being marched off to Babylon. Your word I have treasured in my heart, and what's the consequence? so that I may not sin against you. There's a value in having the Word of God, not only knowledge of the Word of God, the treasure of the Word of God, the humility with the Word of God, letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, the fellowship in the Word of God. This is something that uh, isn't dusty and hidden away and in a box somewhere and you totally forgot about it. You are treasuring it. You are valuing it. And so it shapes how you think day by day. The high regard you hold for the Word of God. Here comes a sin temptation, and you go, no, no. I, 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 why would I do that? The Word of God is so precious. The Word of God is so um, special and treasured. I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding? What would that do? Just bring discredit upon the Lord is all that would do. Of course, Proverbs 2.1 is our passage today. It's going to come back again in chapter 7. Proverbs 7, in verse 1. My son, keep my words. And I'm pretty sure that that's shamer, that's to guard, to keep, as Adam was commanded to guard or to keep the garden. All right, And treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live in my teaching as the apple of your eye. So treasuring the word of God means I place it in a particular location, both guarded and regarded. It's on display, it's on hand, it's in, it's in a very special place of honor whereby uh, it's in my full view it's in my awareness day by day it's not just something i'm happy to own but i shove it somewhere where i never look at it again okay that's a big difference i think it's a huge difference point c attentive ears and inclined hearts attentive ears and inclined hearts are the attitudinal prerequisites to receiving and treasuring. They are the attitudinal prerequisites. This is the attitude you must have. You must be teachable. You must be humble to receive the word implanted. Attentive ears and inclined hearts. These are the attitudinal prerequisites. You know, if a child is eager, if a child is loves the voice of their parents, they're eager to listen for that voice of their parents, they want to be pleasing to their parents, they want to learn what their parents have to say, those are attentive ears. That's an inclined heart. Or, (laughs) not. Alright? Maybe a teenager, or another age factor of a child, or another pride factor of a child. Whereby, they listen when they have to. They listen when they're forced to. They're not all that eager to listen. The ears are not uh, attentive. you got to grab them by the ear and stretch it out and say, listen to this. <laughs> and the heart is not inclined. The heart is declined, right? Reclined. Something. <laughs> Some kind of inclined, but it's not inclined. The heart is not softened and prepared and ready and... And uh, not directed towards. It's an attitudinal prerequisite to receiving and treasuring. And if the ear isn't ready, if the heart isn't ready, you might hear the words, but you're not going to treasure them. You might hear the language, but you're not going to, it's not going to be implanted, not in good soil. It's not going to be treasured. When it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's not going to happen if you're not attitudinally uh, prepared to receive that word. Because quite often, that word is going to hurt. That word is going to be convicting. That word will be a reproof, a rebuke. That word is going to be uh, something that your sin nature doesn't want to listen to. But you need it. We all need it. That's why we've got to have the attentive ears and the inclined hearts. That's why we've got to be eager to say, yep, Lord, that's me. That's me. And we don't want to be, what do the colonel used to do? You know, shoveling it over your shoulder like that, right? <laughs> you know, pastor's preaching, well, that's not me he's talking about. And they just grab the shovel and they shove it behind him. to, obviously he's talking about somebody else. How about uh, an attentive ear and an inclined heart to say, yeah, he's talking to me. That's, uh, that's rebuking me. We must be eager to hear and humble to treasure. Eager to hear and humble to treasure. And that eagerness is this the thing. I think if, if you've lost it, if you've kind of lost your appetite, then ask him to get it back. Ask him to give it to you. Where do you get this attentiveness? Everything we see here is that these orders to be attentive are expected to be obeyed. In other words, it's your choice. It's how you think of it. It's how you value it. And you make that choice yourself. And if you're struggling with making that choice, ask him to provide for that. He will give generously and without reproach. Hey, Father, I don't seem to have the appetite I used to have. Why is that? Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Increase my hunger. Increase my appetite. And just be honest with you. Say, you know, Lord, I'm kind of drifting right now. I don't seem to have the appetite I used to have. Why is that? Make it clear to me what I need to what, what is it that's that 's pushing that to the side what is it that's that 's uh, why is, is it something else that 's filling my eyes is it something else okay <laughs> we talk about um, back when I was involved in the boy Scouts um, we used to we used to talk about uh, Cub Scouts that become Weeblos that become Boy Scouts and then they, they're thriving and they're they're working their way up through the ranks and they've gone through Tenderfoot and second class, first class and they're doing well and all that's in front of them then is Star, Life, and Eagle and they're on a great track <laughs> until girls. Yeah, usually it's girls or cars or something that they hit in high school. More often than not, it's girls. Right? And then they start looking at girls and then it's hard to get their eyes back on the camping and the boy scouts and the merit badges and the and the whatever okay well where your heart is there your (laughs) treasure will be also right well what are you looking at what are you valuing what is it that you've made a priority and if there's something that's kind of come into focus that's pushed something off to the side ask yourself wait a minute why has this come into focus over the word of god and it could be something that in itself is is perfectly valid it may not be sinful until it pushes the Word of God off to the side. And then it's become an encumbrance that so easily entangles. Okay, We've got to make sure that we keep our eyes where they need to be. And something that's, that's pushed doctrine off to the side, that's going to be an issue. We've got to have to deal with that. Psalm 90 and verse 12, Lord, teach us to number our days. We should be diligent in this regard. We should be eager in this regard. How many days do we have left? We may not have a whole lot of time left. And how many, how many days have I already frittered away anyway? Goodness. You know, when I think about all the time wasted and I think about all the non-productivity, for all the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Um, or, if due to strength, 80 years. Maybe uh, maybe God will... Bless you beyond the 70. Maybe uh, he gives you a length of life. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Understand, man, today's a gift. I didn't deserve today. I woke up this morning. A lot of people didn't. All right. I got out of bed this morning. A lot of people can't. What's God done? He's given me my health. He's given me this day. He's given me uh, all these blessings. I want to redeem them. I want to, I want to serve the Lord. I want to grow. I want to present to Him a heart of wisdom. Why else are we even here? We must be eager to hear and humble to treasure. There's going to be an entire paragraph of this coming up later in Proverbs. Proverbs 22 expands on, we just have this single verse right here in verse 2-2. Where it says, "Make you ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding," we actually have a full paragraph that I think expands on this in Proverbs twenty-two, verses seventeen through twenty-one. It gives a a larger exposition of the idea here. <clears throat> Proverbs twenty-two, verses seventeen through twenty-one. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise, and apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them with you within you, that they may be ready on your lips. See, boy, that's the biggest benefit is um, you're dwelling on it constantly, your mind is there, you're chewing on it, you're praying to the Lord, he's talking to you, uh, you're walking with him, it's dwelling richly within you, and so it's the first thing from your lips. Yes, you know, it's the first thing that comes to your mind and uh, an adversity hits or some test comes along and, man, you've got a scripture right there. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. A stronghold of the day of trouble. Okay? Ready to your lips. Instead of the 14th thing you think about after you've already run through everything else. And, all right? So that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? To make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who sent you. Ultimately, he is the one with whom we have to do. (laughs) And uh, have we accomplished everything he's called for us to do? We were saved in the good works, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we're going to give an account. We are going to give an account. And I don't want to stand before the judgment seat and have not achieved what it is that he has sent for me to do. Anyway, we'll detail that when we get to Proverbs 22, but I think this is reflective and we see it played out. We see it in, in uh, folks we know or folks we've heard of, <laughs> All right? Uh, we know them. Folks that, that they, they name the name of Christ. They name the name of Christ. But man, try to engage them in a, in a conversation about truth. Ask them about, uh, you know, were you in the word today give me a verse you got a verse today have you been in the word of god and uh you know what do you think about it? And, and just give me anything any scripture any chapter any book give me something from bible well no i haven't done my reading yet today okay fine what'd you do yesterday <laughs> what was yesterday's reading I one in yesterday's reading either you know and it's just like pulling teeth It's like pulling teeth, you know. But if they're in the Word of God, if they're living in the Word, how quick does it come to their lips? You know? How quick does it come to... And and where you want to talk about, you know, (laughs) hey, talk about the uh, midterm elections last night. Bring up the subject and boom. They'll tell you about uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, New Hampshire. They'll tell you about uh, Texas gubernatorial election. They'll tell you about... um, you know, this state, Louisiana is going to a runoff. They'll tell you about Alaska. All the votes aren't in yet. They'll tell you about, and, and just they can start rattling off, rattling off, rattling it off. Yeah. It's pretty clear where your heart is. It's pretty clear what you're eager to talk about. It's pretty clear what comes quickly to your lips. Okay. What does not come quickly to your lips? And if it doesn't come quickly to your lips, it's probably not It's probably not on your heart. It's probably not, uh, uh, you haven't treasured it. You haven't treasured it. All right? And uh, I'm just saying, (laughs) don't get mad at me. Just consider it. Consider the scriptures and say, what comes quick to my heart? Can I really rattle off baseball statistics like I used to? I'm glad I can't. Really glad I can't. I used to spend way too much time staring at the sports page. All right. So there's Proverbs 22. How about Isaiah 55, 3? I like Isaiah 55. We'll be there. See, we were in seven this week, so uh, 48 more weeks. We'll be there. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Are you thirsty? There's provision for that. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. How do I buy if I don't have money? Because somebody else has paid the price. Somebody else is making the payment. See, don't confuse buying with paying. Um, Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost because someone else has already paid that cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. There's that attitude of eagerness eat what is good, delight yourself in abundance, incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. See, David's the prototype. He's the pattern. David was a man after God's own heart. Not that he was sinless. No, he was perfect. No, he was a bigger sinner than we'll ever be. But he was humble. He would repent. He would confess. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, not just a type of Christ, not just the greatest king of Israel, but a witness to all mankind, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you did not know, and a nation which knows you not will, will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Anyway, there's tons of stuff here. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Oh, it's a fun chapter. This is where the word does not return void. Anyway, the main uh, point of what I put this on this slide for was verse (laughs) 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may laugh. We should have this eagerness to hear, this humility to receive the word implanted. We want to hear, we want to treasure Matthew thirteen nine. He that has an ear, let him hear. Why did he give you ears? <laughs> he who has ears, let him hear. Why do you have ears? We used to have fun with the kids doing this, right? You got two ears and one mouth. What does that tell you? Spend twice amount, twice uh, you know amount of time listening, and and uh, about half that time speaking. God's teaching you the proportional priorities here, just based on the number of ears He stuck on your head and the number of mouth openings He gave you. There's two ears, there's one mouth. Okay, why did He give you ears? Just to hold your glasses on, right? No. Okay, He gave you a head. I used to ask my son, I'd say, uh, "Is that just a hat rack? What, what, what is that thing sitting on your shoulders for?" Is it just sitting there to hold your hat? What, what, what is that? Is that a hat rack? Or, or are you supposed to use it for something? Think about what you're doing. Think. It's not just a hat rack. Think. Okay? And ears are more than holding your glasses on. Ears are supposed to listen. Do something with those ears. He who has ears, I'll let him hear. Why has God provided with a living human spirit you have the capacity to digest doctrine? You've got the capacity to understand spiritual truth. The living human spirit within you. Those are your ears. The living human spirit within you. Every born again believer has a living human spirit. You have ears to hear. So the imperative is hear. Let them hear. You should be eager to hear and to treasure. And then finally, James chapter 1. I've got to close with this. James chapter 1. verse 19 and verse 21. This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay? This goes along well with the two ears, one mouth thing. Right? Quick to hear, slow to speak. Verse 21, Therefore putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. The Word is going to do some work. The Word actually does stuff once it gets in there. It doesn't just get in there and sit and do nothing. It gets in there and it dwells richly. It gets in there and it, it churns. It gets in there and it pro- pokes and it prods. All right? It's alive and powerful. And when you take it inside of you, it's alive and powerful. You take it inside your soul. It's a living thing. like a. a you know, I hate the fact that, well, I don't hate that. No, no. I love the fact that I will never bear a child, okay? Um, But if there is a side of that that I would miss not having is the experience of a living thing inside of you that rolls and kicks and pokes. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on tape here, so I'm going to be very clear. I'm very happily male, and I would never want to be pregnant. But pregnant women have the illustration of what it means to have a living being inside of you that rolls and kicks and pokes, gets very uncomfortable on many nights. I I get that. But that's what the Word of God does, right? The Word of God kicks and pokes. and gets very uncomfortable. and keeps you awake at all kinds of nights. Yeah. And it's supposed to. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Because your pastor's not following you around seven days a week. But doctrine is. All right? The Word of God goes with you in your soul. All right. Thank you, Father, for your truth. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for the Word of God that is alive and powerful and that we do take it within. We we hear it. We treasure it. And as it is implanted, it's in humility that it's implanted. And, Father, it dwells richly, or it's supposed to. And it's supposed to spring forth and bear fruit. I ask, Father, that we might have a greater understanding of these things, that we might dwell upon it, chew upon it, let it come alive even as we study how it comes alive so we might live it, Father, in a manner that reflects your design. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.